Welcome to the latest episode of Platform. Today, I'm going to be speaking to Chase Rushing. Chase, as many people might not be aware, was actually, you know, put out quite a few sections in his time. But most recently, he has designed the artwork that appears on the John Bellino Pro Skate. So he designed the artwork that I think he did the stuff that appears on the cuff, on the sole plate, on the wheels, and on the insoles. Previous to that, years ago, and I want to say around about the 2010s, he appeared in quite a few Brandon Negretti videos. He was in Forever Now, he was in The Meantime, and Road to Nowhere. He was also in the Black Fabric Team video by Lonnie Gallegos called uh, Staggering Heartwork. Staggering Artwork of Heartbreaking Genius. Yeah, that's right. It's a mouthful, which is based upon quite a famous book. Um, and Chase was kind of one of the outliers of his generation of skating. He kind of like, he, he just didn't really fit in with what was popular at the time. So that's when the era of blading was really going towards bigger skating, harder skating, you know, people jumping off roofs, grinding off roofs, finding the biggest stair sets they could, finding horrible, big, terrifying drop rails to do technical stuff down or disaster down. And Chase was always focused on the kind of more creative aspect. So he was one of the few people that was really into doing toe rolls and more importantly, doing like pivots on toe rolls and just, yeah, exploring a lot of flatland tricks. But he could also hold his own and do really technical stuff as well, like... You know, he could do like true spin top aisles down like, you know, rails that drop down and stuff like that. Or he could easily handle, you know, doing a gap or five and over a fence or whatever. But he just seemed to explore the more artistic side of blading, which a lot of people credit, you know, things like mushroom blading and stuff like that now for. But he was also doing it around that time as well. And um, people like Micah Yeager as well, who's also from Texas, like he is. So basically, just want to touch on you know, where he's been because he's he's not been active in blading for quite a few years now. And also how he got involved with Mesmer to do the artwork for them. And um, if he's going to be involved in any other projects for Mesmer in the future, what he's doing with his life now and what it was like just working on those really important videos with Brandon Negretti and just his time traveling to California from Texas to film sections. And yeah, just find out as much as possible. I'm a really big fan of Chase Rushing. I love that kind of aspect of blading that just goes against what everyone else is doing at the time. I think it's really important and it offers different avenues to something that we all deeply care about. So I'm really looking forward to talking to him. Before that though, cue the music. How you doing? Oh, good. So it kind of sounds like work's been a bit crazy the past couple of days. What's what? What do you do for work? What's been going on? Uh, work at a cafe, okay. and uh, with just COVID, it's been ridiculous. Like as soon as the kitchen uh, staff will be all good, good to go, then like uh, more than not, 
um, more people will be sick up front, like the serving staff. Yeah. So we've been trying to get a balance. And uh, so, yeah, we've been running it really just uh, bare bones staff. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. normally like that. It's kind of a easy, like kind of an easy, like cushy job. But yeah, heck. All right. I've 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 spent many years working in the service industry. It's it's not always that easy, but I can imagine with COVID, it's made it pretty intense, especially well, with like rules and restrictions and stuff like that. Yeah, being fair to people's like uh, just opinions and just how they they want to go about like say being vaccinated, not vaccinated. I don't want to get into any of that with like anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It becomes like before you get their drink order, that might come up. And it's just been like, I don't know. You feel like I've almost been like, um, I have to put on like a whole different like spiel or like uh, I'm putting on like a whole play the whole time I'm there. Like it's, it's been intense. <laughs> yeah. Plus, I can imagine you must be overhearing a lot of people's conversations about stuff like that as well and just being like, okay, I'll just block that out and pretend that's not happening. Yeah, like it's kind of like the conversations will just drop, like, well, okay, and then you just kind of walk off and find someone else to chat with. So <laughs> it's it can be fun in that way. Like, you know, it's just I like to be a little bit more like uh, real with people normally. So it's been a lot of just like false kind of small talk so yeah yeah i can understand that um where whereabouts do you whereabouts in texas do you live do you live in austin or have i guessed wrong uh well here i don't want to sound like a an idiot but i'm trying to make sure i like make eye contact should i look here i mean that's physically impossible because the for me to look at you i have to look away from the webcam so i wouldn't worry about yeah. it okay i'm still new like i was saying to this um <laughs> oh i'm actually i'm in dallas texas okay so, have you always yeah. lived there Pretty much, like within thirty minutes. Like sometimes I've lived in the suburbs, right? And now, technically, if I look out my window, I could see downtown Dallas. Okay. So it's the closest, I guess, I've been to like just living in Dallas. Right. So all that, all that footage that I used to see of you and like farmer and stuff like that, that was all in Dallas. Yeah, um, and kind of the more suburb, like North Dallas, right? Uh, it's pretty close to where Eisenberg skate park was. Okay. Yeah. Plano. And that yeah. was in Plano. Yeah. And so that was like, uh, when Chris lived here, let's see, that was probably like 15 minutes away at most times. Cause we moved a few different, like the whole group of skaters, we all kind of moved to different apartments, things like that. But we all kind of stayed in uh, the basic Metroplex. Right. So yeah, Eisenberg's is a big spot to go to. Um, that was so we, that, that was still open. Like Eisenberg's was still open when Farmer moved to Texas. I thought that would have yeah. cool. all right. Well, because I guess they I don't know exact the exact date that they closed it. Um, because it's been demolished now. It's not even there. Like yeah. not even the building. Um, it's been a while, but yeah, they were like summer camp was kind of a big thing, like skating camp. So Chris would go there. Um Pretty much, I remember I worked at Starbucks at the time, so I would just show up and provide coffee and like skate with some of the kids. It was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I don't know exactly when they closed it, but they were, it was going strong when uh, Chris lived here. All right. Yeah. I, I just remember thinking that was really random when he, like, he moved from Minnesota and he was like 
obviously coming up in skating, be- becoming huge, getting sponsored by like Shadow and Mind Game and stuff like that. And he decided to relocate to Texas. And I remember thinking, that's, it's like, <laughs> you know, Texas has always had a strong scene and a lot of great skaters, but you wouldn't exactly call it like, like a hub for blading, if you know what I mean. Like it's not like the industry no. wasn't there. There was no brands there. So it, it seemed like it seemed like a strange move. Yeah, it was. Um, I guess Negretti was filming for the Mind Game video. I think it was Bang. Bang, yeah. So yeah, they were just uh, going around. I, they filmed all the time out in California because I think like Feinberg and Campbell lived together. Okay. And yeah, everything in California seemed pretty close. Like, I guess that's where a farmer would visit a lot out there. Yeah. And I ended up going out to film with Negretti um, around the same time for forever now, like before, I guess we had met before they started filming for Mind Game, but they were already starting to like collect clips, things like that. So I met Chris, we became friends. Um, and then their, I guess, tour for the Bang filming, they were able to come through Dallas. So basically he just kind of hung out there with like my crew like my friends and we all just kind of hit it off he ended up meeting um a girl that he liked all right that, now it's making more sense okay yeah okay so like find that i mean i don't want to you know talk about too much like non-skating stuff but yeah he um <laughs> well i just don't want him to get you know mad or anything it's been a while um but yeah he met a girl uh she convinced him then along with us and seeing like there was like uh there was a scene like a skate scene like he would have people to session with and yeah he he moved here i guess for skating and then for that girl and then uh yeah so it really helped me having like uh he had a camera which a couple of my friends they're using gl1s or gl2s yeah i, I think you mean yeah yeah, and there's like even one kid with the Sony VX 2000. So we got footage, but it just wasn't as like um, business, I guess, because Chris, that was like his his job was to go out and skate. So anytime I had time off, we would just kind of uh, not get lost, but just go to different parts of Dallas and like suburbs around. And yeah. Dallas is so big that, yeah, there's there's quite a bit. Oh yeah, I can imagine because, uh, well, because the the city never sleeps was filmed in Dallas, wasn't it? Yeah, and that's Brian. Um, Brian Pima, Moore. Yeah, Brian. Moore, yeah, and he was in the the same crew. Like he, I guess we all sort of started to move to the Metroplex because uh, he lived a little bit further out. Um, I think near like Mansfield. Okay. Which was just like a bit further out um, suburb, but yeah, once we all kind of came together um brian was like always in the picture and he he really liked filming like almost just as much as skating so yeah he ended up yeah you saw the city never sleeps later on so that's kind of like their i don't know good mix of dallas like sort of the architecture okay yeah because i've met like a couple of guys that were in the video i've met josh glowicky a few times before yeah and uh and who else was in it uh fritz was in it it was Keaton. Oh, yeah. Keaton had a section as well, didn't he? He did. And okay. yeah, I've, I've met Keaton a couple of times before as well. Yeah. Keaton, he was great. So, I mean, um, 
Right. Oh. Okay. We're totally going on a tangent because I wanted to ask you about this later, but yeah. Um, so I was very surprised when this popped up. Oh yeah. <laughs> because as soon as they started advertising the skate with the artwork for the Mesmer John Bellino pro skate, I was like, I've seen that artwork before because I'd only recently like within the last year realized that you had an Instagram account and started following you and saw the artwork and instantly like the, the drawings were familiar. How, how did you end up doing stuff for Mesmer? Because did, did you know um, Billy or John before or how, how did that come about? Well, I met like Billy a long, long time ago. Um, <clears throat> it was in like Atlanta, I think at a super hick. Okay. That was like, geez, like 2002, maybe 2003. Yeah. And uh, I was there with um, with Lonnie Gallegos. Oh, yeah. And we were filming for, it was a Black Fabric video, which was, I guess, pre-Feet. Because I know he had like the Feet series. Oh, yeah. It was it was like a staggering heartwork of Heartbreaking Genius. Oh. That, was, that was way before the Feet series. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Okay, well, because I didn't know like who's seen it or or all that, but I know that at the time, uh, my favorite, I guess my favorite skater at the time was Ryan Northway. Right. And okay. So kind of like I geeked out constantly, like getting to skate with him, and so I thought the video like people had seen it, um, like pretty widespread, but you know, it's it was, I guess distribution was different back then, and so. Yeah, plus that was when everything was slowing down and bleeding and everything was a lot smaller. But yeah, that was yeah. that was actually the first video that I saw you in, you and uh, Michael Stein. Oh, yeah, my, cool. And he's like basically like grew up kind of like my brother, I guess. Okay. Yeah, I should have mentioned Michael. So yeah, but Michael is always a big influence too. Sorry, I don't want to keep like trailing off. That's, that's all right. <laughs> but yeah um okay so yeah i did i met billy a long time ago and then <clears throat> basically bellino had been like one of my favorite skaters and i knew friends of his he knew friends of mine uh we just i didn't really get to like hang out hang out yeah so it was kind of it was pretty cool whenever i got just the um like the question came up like hey would you want to do some some work for the skates. Like we've already found some pictures that we like. And uh, here, this is kind of what it's going to look like. I got like a test photo of the soul okay. and it was as it is now. And it just, it was really exciting because I don't know, I kind of over, I tend to overthink things and put too much pressure whenever I'm like developing something for something. Like I overthink it for at least a week or two. And then it's just, it kind of becomes like, oh, maybe that'll work. And like, it either does or doesn't. But to see it all together, like my drawings, like, decidedly, like, put together on the soul plate. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was cool. It just kind of, it clicked. I, I mean, I just hope other people think it looks all right. Oh, definitely. I mean, like, the artwork is, ev I've got the box here as well. It's on the side of the box. It's on the soul plate. It's on the wheels. Yeah. It's on the insole. Did you do the, did you do the eyeball on the cuff as well? No, um, I wasn't sure who did that. It's I been kind of cool. I think it might have been cool? Mark. It might have been Mark Moreno that did, because I know he does was, a lot. Yeah, and then I just saw that Levy um, had his the bat like Mesmer shirt. Yeah, that he designed, and so I wasn't sure if it was him or Mark, but I thought that Good was track. super cool. 
actually like all of them dominic bruce as well does a lot of artwork as well so, yeah, it, could, so it could very easily be any of them yeah i saw some uh charcoal or some drawings of his on instagram and it was cool it's cool when you see something that isn't um i don't know it's just in such a it, it excited me it was a cool like uh cool style yeah so did uh, so you kind of alluded to it. So you didn't have to come up with the concepts themselves. They said like this is this is what we want. We just want you to do it in your style. Yeah, and then um, if I could maybe come up with anything else, like in the the weeks, like that they it all kind of happened pretty quickly too. <clears throat> like uh, I guess there were a few more drawings that I I sent to Mark for the instruction booklet, right? Or like booklet that comes in the skates and so i haven't seen that if that came out or not but i've, I've got i've got the book in the box but i didn't i didn't open it so i've actually not looked oh, cool because <laughs> i think there's like two drawings that might be in there that wouldn't be on the soul plate or on the box right of the skates so it's just been really cool like just whenever there's like a new instagram post by mesmer like their whole layout like the um, the way they're doing everything is so cool yeah the, like like the the kind of branding that they've done for it has been like very strong and very consistent from like the the first like thing that they started showing it's it's, it's really interesting to see well yeah like even if if i had no involvement with like the art part i would still be equally like geeking out like i don't know everything's very exciting right now in skating so it's, yeah over the past couple of years it feels like there's a new like sense of i don't know optimism or hope just because a lot of people are getting back into it and sales are starting to go up and people are starting to see that they can you know i don't know like riders are starting to get better royalties and things like that and i think it is kind of bringing this fresh wave of optimism to it like oh like maybe we can make a go of it again or maybe it can just not be just a hobby for some people where some people can actually like properly pursue it again. So yeah, it's like, it's getting like, um, I don't know, just respect, like just a respect level that just seems uh, more appropriate. Like, yeah, it's not like there's some hurdle that has to be overcome first to be seen as like legitimate or not just like you said, like a hobby. And um, so yeah it's, it's definitely getting like a lot more mainstream attention as well in the past like 12 months like 18 months so that's that's quite interesting as well it'll be it'll be yeah. interesting to see where that goes well quad skating too i've seen a lot of like quad love so that's yeah. cool yeah it, it it's so interesting that for so many years we basically tried to i don't know if we tried to separate themselves from them or they tried to separate themselves from us but now all of a sudden we're like oh we're basically doing the same thing on the same ob obstacles might as well all just do it together yeah well yeah like i've seen like porn stars and like true mizus going down like on quads like that's really... what i mean they're doing the same yeah. foot positions yeah so you're like well they're doing it on coping basically like we are so yeah yeah well um so is, was that just a one-off with mesmer or did they say like they want you to start doing that for them for like future releases or has that has that even been discussed yet like what's is there uh, anything? i just uh i've been i keep up with mark like pretty often on instagram just for messaging yeah and uh <clears throat> i just 
from how easy and how well everything went, I was like, you know, like if you need anything, like hit me up because it's, this is just fun. And, um, you know, it's quality stuff too. Like being able to like, I guess, help out someone that I like respect so much as like a company or not someone, but as a company, Yeah, I just told him, like, if you ever need anything, like, you know, I'm, I'm here to, to help. So it's kind of just, uh, yeah, I'm, I don't really know of any plans, like any future plans. Okay. But I'm um, always just kind of working on ideas, like in case um, something comes up, then I'll have something to like have to help not put myself in like a spin, like, you know, where I overthink. <laughs> yeah. I'm not like, a, I wouldn't say perfectionist. I don't really think I, mm, I don't know. It's just silly. Like you get caught up, like, you know, sometimes it's the first go that like looks the best on something. And I could be like a week out that I realized that. Yeah. No, so, I think I think I know what you mean. Um, did they send you a pair of skates? Uh no, but since what? I haven't been, well, I haven't been on my game so much. Like I've been trying, I rolled around for uh, a while on some 909s. Okay. And I believe they're just a little too big. My friend gave me a pair. And it's just, it wasn't quite comfortable. Like it wasn't like the shadows that I right. had skated for a while. And I still have a couple of pairs of those. They're just the pieces, um, the parts are starting to age and like they, yeah, break pretty easily. Yeah. But uh, no, I was, I don't know. I would love to get a pair. I just I mean, your, your artwork's on it. You've, you've got to have a pair just for posterity, like just for, just yeah. to keep. Well, I just, I, I don't know. They may be on like the first shipment as they've just been shipped out. Like all the, I guess, international land here in the right. States. Um, I don't know. Maybe if they have enough pairs next, like I would love a pair. I think it's just on me for not asking. <laughs> right. Okay. I, mean, I get kind you, of bashful. Yeah. You don't, you don't ask, you don't get. And you like literally your artwork is all over it. So, well, I'm, I'll find a nice way to ask. <laughs> Maybe, well, Billy watches this, so Billy might see this and be like, oh, yeah, we've actually forgot to send Chase a pair. And then, you know, could, well, could work out that way. Yeah, I mean, I I just, I would like to skate that um, the throne. It's been, I guess, I've only owned one pair of USDs myself, like way back in the day. I had my mom buy me a pair of the Dustin Latimer thrones. Oh. Okay. Like the gray ones he used in Elements 2. Yeah, around I, that. I remember the ones you mean, yeah, with a like black chimmer plate. Yeah. And so, I don't know, I've always been kind of like a nerd for the look of them. Like, it just to me, at the time, uh, that was just like, it was the ideal kind of looking skate. And then uh, as time went on, I guess, probably because of Chris, like I got into Shadows. And like, he would just set me up with pairs like i don't know i did skate some rollerblade trs those are pretty good yeah i remember you skating trs and you had dashies as well with like usd plates didn't oh, you? shit yeah okay yeah. um probably <laughs> i love i love how i remember your setups better than no, you do no. well yeah because i was like oh man actually rollerblade i did like those quite a bit no one of my favorite pairs were the uh, mcleod with the usd soul plates the deshies, um, those are awesome, just lightweight. And uh, every trick 
worked just right. Like backslides are good, but then you could like, you almost felt like you had a K2 backslide, but then you could torque if you wanted to okay. a little bit more. I could, I was terrible at torques and K2s growing up. And that's another pair. Well, I actually skated K2s for a bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, no. Um, so what are you saying? Uh, yeah. So the first thing I saw you in was obviously the Black Fabric video. I'm guessing you know Lonnie from when, because Lonnie's, Lonnie's from Texas originally, right? Yeah, he's from Austin. Like right. him, um, Jason Howard, and Chris Fleener were like the three big names, like kind of the amateur, like the cool kids when I was getting into skating. Okay. And Fleener, Chris Fleener was from Houston, which is just about five hours from Dallas. And Austin's about three-ish. So it's all kind of, there would be different events. So we'd be in Houston or Austin for like street comps, things like that. And so I met them when I was younger, but then Lonnie, I guess, kind of just, he hit me up, like I think right after I graduated high school. So like in 2001, and then it's like sort of just asked if I wanted to be part of the Black Fabric team. Like I was the amateur um, rider for him. And that was just really exciting. I think that's what kept me in skating, honestly, to be like, well, here's something to do for like a few, you know, few years, see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. It like gives you some like motivation or some drive. Cause you're like, Oh, someone likes what I'm doing. Yeah. It kind of like just kept it going. And then to get to travel, like even just within Texas, um, we did go to Atlanta, like I was saying, like Lonnie and I did while filming for the Black Fabric video. And um, it was, yeah, it was just cool. I don't know. Lonnie's always been like a good friend. He's he's like brother level, like buddy as well. So, Okay. Um, and then, because it, it wasn't that long after that that, yeah, you had a section in Forever Now. So how did how did you meet Brandon Negretti? <clears throat> I guess um, through my friend Mick Weldon. Okay. He was also one of my good good skater friends growing up, like even through high school. And he lived out in a place called Grand Prairie. And that's not too far from Dallas as well. Right. And so he was friends with Negretti on uh, AOL Instant Messenger. Like oh they would God. all chat. That is yeah. back. Okay. And I can't remember his name, um, Negretti's name on aim but i think mick went by modest mick so it was always kind of funny so we would hang out in his parents computer room there are two computers and it was still exciting to be on the internet like for anything like yeah. skate books were like super exciting i think um uh, well just hanging out with mick i'd be like hey who are you talking to and be like, oh, you know, these guys, California guys. I think Carl Sturges was in the mix as well. All right. Okay. Yeah, that would make sense. So he was kind of networking with um, with those guys back, I think. And that's before the video Us came out. Yeah. And that was, that was on VHS. So that was, wow, like 2000, maybe 1999 around the time of. And so Negretti... <clears throat> He got footage before meeting, like before any of us had hung out. He got footage from Nick to use in that Us video. And I guess a couple years went by, um, or as time went by, I think it was like one year, he ended up coming down to the um, to the hoedown or to one of the hoedowns 
And he was hanging out with Farmer in one of the hotel rooms and I guess had invited me to show him some footage, like some new footage, because he was talking about developing or getting started on uh, Forever Now. Right. So went to the hotel, like showed him some footage. He's like, yeah, this is cool. Um, it'd be more fun if you came out and like shot with me, like in my hometown. And so I ended up taking a Greyhound bus. I was going to ask about this because I interviewed Brandon like years after it came out and he said that he couldn't believe that you got a bus all the way from Texas to California to film for the video. And he was like, yeah, that's, that's when I knew this, this kid was like, like serious about it and was, was going to be properly, you know, involved in the project. How long does it take to get a bus from <laughs> Dallas to California to LA? It's pretty terrible. It's like 32 hours. <clears throat> like the fastest you can cut it. That, that sounds truly awful. Well, yeah, and I had drove to California like two summers before that with Nick Weldon, the same Mick I was talking about, <clears throat> and we took like a Honda Civic hatchback with no AC, drove middle of the summer, so we drive it. I guess we tried to split it up into two parts. They're like 12 and a half hours to New Mexico, and then from Mexico, like 12 and a half to California. So we tried driving mostly at night, but shoot, I don't want to trail off too much. Oh yeah, the bus. Okay, so it yeah. takes thirty two hours rather than like an average of twenty four if you drive it yourself. Also, weren't you quite young when you were doing this? Yeah, and so it was kind of sketchy. Like I remember I brought Negretti like a painting, and I had like a spindle of CDs because back then you listened to, like everything on a Walkman or a yeah. Discman. So I had my spindle of CDs, a painting. <clears throat> I didn't have much money at the time. Like I think. I actually borrowed money from Michael Stein, like, I guess $500, something like it wasn't enough to really survive out there for very long. Like it was, yeah, it was kind of funny. I don't know. It was a little, something you'd do when you're younger and it wouldn't be that bad. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I just remember my plan was just to skate. <laughs> So, yeah, it got kind of throughout the time there, just a lot of people helped me out basically by letting me like crash on their couches. So I met a lot of people um, in the skating community and it was really exciting. Like, I think at one point, like we'd go over to like Sayer Danforth's house. Yeah, I know Sayer. Yeah, but, from Heat Wheels. Yeah. And so that was exciting. I was like, wow, you're like a character. This is kind of like, I try not to geek out, but I was constantly geeking out and just being like the awkward, quiet guy, like kid in the corner. But everyone was really, just really cool. And um, I ended up staying like with Feinberg and Campbell at their hotel, not hotel, but at their apartment when they were, um, I guess, still filming like the rest of Bing. Right. Okay. And that's again, where I like buddied up with like, like Farmer, he would buy me a beer, I don't know, or we'd get tacos. I would help someone like cheat at poker. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. It was, poker was like a big thing. And I didn't really, I didn't have any money or know how to play really. So it was just kind of like, it was just silly. I remember that. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's, I guess I ended up taking the Greyhound twice. But the second time I took it, I had a credit card and that's when I went out to film for road to nowhere. So that was a different experience. It was 
still shitty to like sit there. the The seats aren't very comfortable, or they weren't then on the Greyhound. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely that's wow. I kind of blocked that out of my memory. <laughs> yeah that's just pure boredom i did smoke cigarettes at the time so yeah i remember some people are trying to find ways to smoke like to create some filter thing with the water bottle i don't know it's weird right like, yeah i would i would have thought they would just have snuck off to the did the greyhound buses have toilets on them people usually just sneak off to the toilet and try and like blow the smoke yeah. through the filter or whatever yeah i'm remembering now the smell of the the greyhound <laughs> It smells like it's like there's a urinal, of course, just like at the back of the bus. Yeah, so it's that's interesting. You meet a lot of nice people, a lot of like strange people, but mostly they're just for economic reasons doing the same. Yeah, kind of uh, method. I kind of had the impression that you just went went out to visit for like I don't know a week or two to film, but it sounds like when you went out there, you were out there for quite a while. Yeah, that's kind of the thing. That's why like, I didn't bring enough money the first time at all. Um, but it was just like, I, I love California, like the weather, the spots. Like I was still like, I would geek out daily. Like we would just drive by a spot and I would like light up and get like super excited. Like not even to skate it, but it was just like going on like a tour. Yeah, it's like um, like it's like skate tourism. You're like, oh my god, I've I've seen that from like, that video. Or you can even name the trick that's been done on it. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Yeah, when you would go up to certain spots, you're like, how the like how the fuck did anyone do anything on that? Like you get to sort of test you, and then you might find yourself at a spot and you come up with something or you do something that that uh, I guess kind of catches someone else off guard. Right. So it's like full balance and like just the way that everyone's so just down and like everyone is so cool and just about going out to like skate just for skating sake. Like a lot of the time uh, we would just at night hit up like a ledge spot and I would just meet multiple random new people that way. Like it wouldn't even be like a filming sort of endeavor. It would just be like a hangout. Yeah. yeah and there's, Oh, sorry. The way, the way Brandon made videos always made them look just a lot more natural than anything else was to happen. Like at the time rollerblading was taking itself very seriously. People were putting out very serious video parts with like, oh, yeah. you know, really big stunts. You could get really hurt. And then Brandon made videos that just seemed a lot more relaxed and freestyle and like, Oh, we'll just go out and I'll just film everything that happens. And if we get stuff great, but there was a lot of B roll and there was a lot of like, you felt like you knew, the people that you were watching because he included so much stuff other than just our skating. Yeah. Like, um, I guess we were always trying to be to some level, like cool guys, like not cool guys, but I don't know, like to like, uh, shit just, yeah. To like, try to be cool, I guess, but not be cool. Like we all knew that we were nerds, but, um, music was a big deal. It was like kind of a badge. Like if yeah. you, yeah, it's like the more knowledge of music, which Negretti was like pretty much like a, a library of like every time we got in the car, because I guess iPods are around. So this is that was exciting. I believe I think that they were. Yeah, they were yeah. like they, they'd have been relatively new, but they, they would have been around. Yeah. Cool. Because, yeah, Negretti like always had like it seemed like a song would kind of rule the day of the session like. He'd be like, oh, shit, we got to hear this one. And it would just be a reason to smoke a cigarette and, like, relax. 
but then I don't know. He would always kind of like hype you up somehow. Right. Like he got me to do like certain tricks on certain spots that I didn't even want to really at first. (laughs) And then, and it wasn't like a dare sort of thing, like an ego like issue. It's like, he would just sort of kind of get you to realize that you could do it. And then he would maybe be like, Hey, but try it like that. Like, you know, just like a little, just movement, a difference of like the way you approach it. Or he would see you do something without even realizing that you did it. Like some just, I guess, uh, approach, like some style. I don't know. It's just weird. It's like things you wouldn't really notice or even think about. He would highlight. And it seems like he could just do that with like everyone. It was it was cool. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. Um, when that video came out, it absolutely blew me away because it was unlike any other skate video I'd ever seen and I remember showing friends at like friends that didn't skate. Like I was in university at the time, and you know you'd be sitting around getting drunk or getting stoned or whatever. And I'd be like, "Oh, let's put this on," and everyone would normally be like, "No, don't put on one of your rollerblading videos. No one wants to see that shit." And then I put that on, and half the girls in the room instantly like perked up and went, "Oh, those don't look like rollerbladers. Those just look like guys. those look like little guys in indie bands that just happen to be wearing rollerblades." I was like, exactly. Like there is no other blading video like this right now. And then all the music that kind of went along with it and just the way it was portrayed with like all the purples and stuff like that. And like just the kind of very distinctive style and loads of them were like, Oh, I like, I would, I'd rather watch this than any of your other ones. Like these are, and compared to the other skating that was going on at the time, it could be argued that it wasn't as big or there weren't as many stunts or whatever, or it wasn't as technical, but that yeah. wasn't that wasn't really what the video was trying to convey so no it was kind of like you could put it on if you didn't even know what was going on like the soundtrack of it all was just fun i mean well yeah um as far as like the other guys i was just intimidated because i thought they all looked and dressed like super cool right and okay. i was just Kind of like, uh, I, there were a few days Negretti was like, hey, like, it's going to look funny if you keep having the same shirt on. Because that was another thing. I didn't really bring much clothes. Yeah. Um, I ended up having to, like, tape up my my pants. With, I like, remember that. That was that was one thing that stuck out in my head. Like, you always had, like, electrical tape on your jeans and stuff like that. Yeah. And looking back, I'm like, oh, that wasn't, like, to try to look cool in any way. Like, that was just awkward. <laughs> to, to stop them from falling apart. <laughs> It really worked. I mean, it created like as you would slide out and then add like by the end of the trip, it was they were definitely durable, but it was strange to say because, yeah, <laughs> that's so <laughs> that funny. Was else. Well, and then Negretti would give me like a jacket or like a shirt to wear. And so I don't know. It's kind of funny. Some shirts, they all oh, they all looked about right. It's just some like I felt like I was. I don't know. I would be more like worried about how the shirt looked because I thought it was like super cool that I was wearing like his Paul Frank fucking something or other shirt or like a members only jacket. Right. I didn't want to like fall at all, like to fuck it up. Yeah, yeah. You're so, like, if, if I bail here and tear his jacket, is is he gonna start shouting at me? Like, what's yeah, gonna... it's like shit. We were cool, but it was still also building a friendship at the time. Yeah. So that was another kind of interesting thing, like to go from being like mostly an introvert to just sort of being thrown out there yeah it was cool i don't know kind of i guess at the time being younger too it helped build up like kind of confidence like social 
I, I wasn't sure. Can you hear that car alarm that's going off outside? No. Good. Okay. <laughs> it's been going for a while, and I was like, I don't want to just ignore that. But that's oh, fine. Um, so see, when see when the video came out, were you like, were you surprised by how it turned out? Because that video isn't wasn't like anything else that was coming out at the time. Uh, I thought it was just cool. Um, I have it somewhere. Actually, I went on eBay and I found um, an issue of Daily Bread, the amateur issue that I, I had like a little feature in. Right. The cool thing is like the last page is uh, it's a print ad of Forever Now that Sayer drew up. Oh, yeah. And I remember it, it. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just kind of it, it was just exciting to see mostly like that just seemed like super cool that that was in daily bread. Cause that was like such like a super important like book at the time. Yeah. I always kind of wonder how they managed to do that. Cause daily bread adverts, like print adverts were really expensive. Like for, yeah. for like a full page advert, you were talking like at least a thousand dollars. And sometimes some of the ads were like, how did they get away with that? But then I later spoke to Angie Walton and she said loads of people ended up not actually paying for ads or they would agree to pay for ads and then never follow through. <laughs> You're like, well, no. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, because it seemed like corporate sponsored things. I mean, there would be like a Solomon page on almost yeah. every like back of the issue. And that made sense because they're like Solomon. But yeah. I see what you mean now. Yeah, okay. Because some like, ads, you know, like, did they have a did they have an agreement, or maybe yeah. maybe Brandon was like, "Oh, I'll contribute footage to one of your videos," or I don't know. Well, yeah, or do like, yeah, definitely. Maybe he would do like some shooting for him. Um, I don't know. That is kind of cool, though. But that yeah. to me, it seemed like very legitimate at the time. So I was just kind of like, "Wow, okay." I. It seemed like a buddy video, like something that you would make with your friends but then there was like a little bit more to it like and i just figured that's because it was you know from someone that wasn't just like part of my crew like growing up with so it was very exciting to be kind of on the outside to see it yeah yeah it kind of seemed like that was well as far as i was concerned the video that put negretti on the map and like a lot of people he then developed like that style in later videos and a lot of people copied it and it was kind of considered responsible for like that kind of rocker movement and blading and especially a lot of like the fashion sense in it because like it had Jeremy Baitel in it that no one had heard of before the video and then oh, yeah. then everyone was like oh that's the guy that designs the Casper clothes and people didn't even realize he skated and then they saw clips of him like like, like skating, killing it <laughs> pretty well yeah and um, and then Casper obviously became this like cult movement in blading where like ollie short and everyone was wearing it so yeah it was just kind of crazy how it all took off from that that video basically yeah and i'm just trying to think yeah because back at the time it was funny to be so intimidated by people that had sections in the same video so like I was scared to meet them like in person, like say when I met Jeremy the first time I was kind of like, I don't know, like geeking out again, like just like, wow, that there's like, you know, he does Casper and like, well, he's fucking like crazy good. I don't know. It was, yeah, I, it was pretty cool. I like that. Like the whole video. Um, plus it must've been kind of wild being in Cal. Like, was that your first time in California when you were filming for that video? No, I'd gone just with my friend, Nick to like road, road san diego before okay right 
So, and I guess that was actually when I was 18. So the summer of 2001. Um, Yeah. So I got to hang out with, I don't know if you remember a company called Project Portman. Yes. uh, Brandon Ballos. Yeah. Yeah. Baldos? Baldos. Baldos? Yeah. Baldos. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. And then there was uh, skater Mike Leaf. Oh, yeah. I remember Mike Leaf from San Diego. Yeah. Used to be on USD. Yeah, and I think his his friend was named nicknamed Ball Slap. Um, I think it was Scott Ledensky. He had a section in Carl Serge's video uh, film. I think it was okay, or maybe I don't know if it was uh, not film. It might have been Demo Day uh, or Demo. Anyhow, I mean, I got to hang I th- out. With I think it was the- film. It definitely wasn't Demo Day. Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh yeah, that makes sense because that was like early Deshies. But yeah. Um, Mike Leap, actually, he was trying to convert me into uh, wear, like, wearing baggier clothes at the time. And yeah. it's funny to look back, like, the pants that I was wearing, I guess this was around the time I filmed a little bit for uh, for Yawn, uh, the film Trash. Oh, yeah. I had, like, a bonus feature section in that. And looking back at the clothes I was wearing, they seemed baggy enough. Um, although at the time, it's kind of funny, like, it's, I guess they're considered tight clothes and then clothing ended up getting like super too tight i remember that that (laughs) it got a little like motley crew-ish kind of yeah it was just rebelling against what was happening before it so obviously everyone was wearing the huge sweatpants and stuff like that and a group of people obviously came along and went no we're we're going the very opposite of this we're (laughs) we're going the opposite direction well in high school though i remember i wore some i was influenced by farmer and so, yeah, definitely, I had some sweatpants, some cargo, like, sweatpants, I think, from, like, Ross or the Burlington Coat Factory, something, I don't know, like, Triple XL. Okay. That, yeah, I just ended up dropping that before, I don't know, by the end of high school, I think I was trying to be more edgy looking, like, rocker, even though I looked very, like, calm, <laughs> very, like, very normal, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Um so obviously you're out in California. You've always kind of given off the impression of being quite like a quiet guy. So what was it like being out there? Because you said that you were, you know, you stayed with Feinberg and um, Brandon Campbell. They're two very big personalities. And not only are they big, they're also kind of quite boisterous. Like, you know, they're known for like getting oh, yeah. getting wasted like- and being loud <laughs> and, you know, not afraid to like get into wrestling matches and stuff like that. I'm I'm just kind of curious, like, like how you would even interact in that kind of situation like were you just sitting there observing it or like what was what was going on mostly observing but also um like farmer would help me out like with like a 32 a uh, beer like okay. by night or it was i forget like um there are certain ways i made money nothing like illegal or like strange but um i just remember being just kind of like in the corner, like just being able to observe, like I didn't get bullied or messed with for being the quiet. <laughs> right. Okay. Which, yeah, it was strange. I don't know. I probably should have been like, they, they weren't like mean people though. They were funny, but yeah, yeah. you know, you drinks and you, and definitely like kind of like wrestling or like, you know, uh, exchanging punches. So I remember as time went on um, exchanging punches, that was like a thing to do when you got drunk. 
like after a session, like I remember Micah Yeager and I like ended up getting into like a punch, like a friendly, like let's hit each other in the jaw. Like, like let's see how hard we can without knocking I mean, each other out. Okay. And it just seemed like a good idea. It was like, okay, yeah. That, that, can, <laughs> that can go, that can go from being a bit of fun to getting, getting, getting real very quick. Yeah. And I was afraid of the, at the time, the rejects like crew, yeah, they were all like really cool. And I thought they were like just doing some of the coolest skating out there. Um, but they scared me for like a hangout afterwards. Like I, I would, I ended up getting to hang out with them though at like different hotels, like for different events. Yeah. And then um, ended up in a room with like Charles Dunkel and like some of the Bama guys one night. And he was just really cool and chill and like very polite to me. And like, you know, I think that they made a point that I shouldn't have got the ender section in forever now. Like that should have been Micah. And so there was like a little like brief moment of like, oh fuck. And they're like, no, but you did good. It was cool. It was cool. But should have been Micah. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Should should have been Micah. Like yeah, it just, was just kind of yeah. Just play along was, and agree and hopefully things will pan out. <laughs> but they were all so cool. So it was kind of, I don't know. It's just nice, like the community, like getting to meet people. Yeah. That even, you could otherwise yeah. like be afraid of. Even in that situation, I can't even imagine Farmer being particularly up for that kind of like atmosphere with like Feinberg and Brandt because he, like, yeah. I've, I've met Farmer before. Like he's he's pretty quiet as well. Mm. Like he's he's not a, he's he's not like a loud like like rager party guy. Oh no, he's always been see like because I took it as like a kid if someone was like intense with their skating that they would be like intense people. And then I even like meeting like Happy, like after he's like insanely like intense with skating and like on some other level, but he's so quiet and like so calm and so cool, very sweet. Like Farmer was the same way, um, but he was definitely more into like jokes, like always like with the inside jokes. Right. Like him and Campbell would always have, I don't know, just anything could become like some like daily, like multiple times a day you would hear it mentioned and it would just like crack them up. Um, I think poker played like a big part in everyone like getting together at the end of the day. Cause skating would, you know, be easy to like hang out all day, go out and get clips. Yeah. And you might even like break off and go with like just a couple people that session similar things. But then, yeah, it was kind of like a collective, like, hangout over, like, poker and, like, cheap beer. Like, being young. Um, smoking, like, shitty cigarettes, too. <laughs> yeah. Because I think Farmer at the time smoked, but had made a bet with B3 in San Francisco that he wouldn't buy a pack. Something, like, if he did find out, like, if B found out that he had bought a pack himself or a carton, there was some pay up that he had, like he would have lost a bet. So he stuck to that. So yeah, we would get some pretty random, like cheap cigarettes and bum, bum cigarettes quite a bit, I guess. That's quite funny because I, I met the first time I met Farmer was he was in Dublin for a skate competition. I can't remember what, Real Street, Dublin or whatever. And we're all driving around in like an old school double decker bus. And there was Farmer, Stockwell, and Don Bambrick was there as well because it was when Shadow and USD 
Shadow and uh, Shadow and Salomon were kind of like merging, or like yeah, you know, the riders the riders were touring together because uh, Salomon obviously made the Shadow skates. But it was quite funny that you mentioned that because the entire night, farmer, I noticed that farmer smoked the entire night but didn't ever buy cigarettes and he always got he always just got done to give him a free cigarette like the entire night and at one yeah. point i was like why is like what like if if you're smoking all of these cigarettes just go and get your own like i'm surprised don yes. just didn't lose his shit and was like why why am i giving you all my cigarettes okay yeah. cool because yeah it came up and i didn't want to make chris sound like a bum but yeah there was like <laughs> definite understood like I don't know about the how high the stakes were, but there was like a bet, some solid thing with this with the V V three. So <laughs> okay, um, so you mentioned like when you were driving around and you were with those guys and you'd see spots from videos and stuff and geek out, but it's quite interesting because whenever I think of your sections, I always think of you skating spots that I didn't remember seeing anyone else skating. You always you skate like a lot of flat ground stuff. Like you were really into like doing toe rolls and pivots and like finding just interesting objects to do that on. So like you were obviously like a massive fan of blading because you know you've talked about having all these kind of like starstruck moments with seeing other skaters. But what what skaters influenced? Obviously, apart from, you mentioned Farmer, but what other skaters? Because the type of skating you did, there was very very few people doing that type of skating at the time. It was very much against what was happening. Yeah, um, I remember big influences. I guess like Micah Jaeger. Okay, yeah, being from Texas as well. Um, he was from Port Lavaca. It's pretty far down, or pretty far from here, from Dallas. But um, Michael Stein and I actually we drove there to Corpus Christi. Cause he was dating a girl named Selena at the time. And we actually stayed at Corpus at her place. Um, and I got to see Micah skate around the time of still this video or okay. No, his rejects. Um, Maybe closer. Second. Are you thinking of razors closer? Yeah. I'm sure he had quite a bit of footage in that. Uh, well, no, I guess it was, we were watching the rejects. It just came out. Right. Okay the time that we visited, like that was in stores, like the weekend that we visited. So getting to see his skating progress like further and further and then seeing what he was doing in person, it just did. Uh, we ended up having like a lot of fun at a spot, kind of not even like going over to the main reason that we were there, like the main ledge or yeah. something. Like we would just, it's almost like a, it would be like kind of like jazz, like playing off. Like he would do something and I would see it and then I would just, kind of focus on i don't know it's it just seemed like there was so much more to it like if you went to the skate park and you weren't feeling it if you went to like uh, a lot of the times drop rails and like hammer clips were like the only thing the kids around me wanted to skate yeah and so i'd end up finding myself in like a parking lot <laughs> like with the curb maybe or some shit like that or like a manual pad and i don't know just it became just more fun to to play with that and instead of trying to like top solar back royale like some scary ass drop rail yeah and but, get uh, yeah get and risk getting broken off with literally one wrong attempt yeah yeah but i mean the thing was that there are so many of those spots being like skated that from time to time you'd come across like a perfect one 
And that's how I got kind of comfortable with like bigger rels, things like that. So yeah, I don't know. Um, Michael was an influence. Charles Dunkel was like a big influence because he would do stunt. That, like, yeah. big, like he would do, yeah, like scary big things. But then at the same time, he'd have a few more like uh, just tech, real tech, like flatland type stuff. And um, Eric Burke, the whole Peld crew, I guess, from I, I, way back. I, I was wondering if Peld had any kind of, yeah, impact. It, it seemed like it might. Okay. Well, yeah, because they, um, I guess I was in high school. I didn't really know what to be an artist was. I was just like, wow, these guys are like artists. Like they just have this way about them. And they didn't seem so edgy, but then uh, their Battle My Crew section, like in uh, VG12. Yeah. That was pretty intense. So then it's like Nick Riggle. Um, actually, Nick Riggle was the early influence because my first VG was VG6. Right. Okay. And also a lot of the Australian skaters, like I really like Dion Anthony. All right. Um, yeah, like there was just something about like, well, pretty much all the Australian skaters, and I know that comes yeah. from, like, they would just skate like I, there was just something to it. Like they could kill those little bowls, like I think it was the Manly Bowl. Um, they could just skate like little spots, but then you would see like Tim Ward doing like street level or not street level, but doing like um mini ramp kind of tricks on a vert ramp like it was crazy like i think he would do like 360 topsail yeah he disaster. used to do yeah he used to do like weirdly technical tricks on vert ramps and he'd do them in competition runs and you're like surely like, surely it's safer just to do a spin than to go for like yeah he would go for like you know torque slides and like really yeah. like technical top side grinds and you're like okay so that kind of people like him, skaters like him. And then again, I guess Dion Anthony was like such a big influence because I thought he like looked cool as well. Like he just kind of cruised around Eisenberg's. I forget what hoedown it was because I pretty much went to every hoedown like from before I could even like skate the box in the back like very well. Like I was just like kind of a, what would you call it? Like a grommet? Yeah. Or, I mean, ev yeah. every, everyone's a grommet at some point. So I would just, it was like, you'd be there the whole week. Like as soon as you could get out of school, get a ride down there. Cause it's like the skaters were there for like a week before, sometimes a week after. Mm -hmm. And they would just kind of always be at their sessioning. Like my buddy Barrett lived really close to Eisenberg's. And one night, like, I think it was the Friday before the competition we stayed at his house and he had footage of Frankie Morales and like Eric Shrine and just like all these people, like he had like filmed a mini section of Frankie Morales just from him sessioning the rail in the back. Right. Okay. It was like crazy. Cause at the time true fish brains, I guess were kind of something I'd see because of like Shane Scour, like he was a Dallas local, yeah. um, and he could somehow do like shit on rails like two years before I was seeing it like widely done. But Frankie Morales is doing like 450 Royale and shit like that, like on the rail. And that was just like mind blowing. Yeah, that must have been quite like quite an eye opening experience for being a kid because you're basically at a skate park that's run by the family of one of the most iconic skaters of all time. 
yeah you're being there for like you're saying it yourself like a week before or a week after an event and all the biggest names in blading from around the world are basically there and you if you have the confidence have the opportunity to like either skate alongside them or talk to them or grom out on them or pester them or do whatever <laughs> depending on what, what age you are at the time and you basically have the opportunity to actually have like personal interactions with these people as opposed to just going to like a contest and sitting in the stands and watching them you can actually you know be in their space yeah and see i mean you could go right after them if you wanted to be like a goofy kid and <laughs> i found myself trying like a after feinberg like a long long time ago like i think it was in solomon's where it was still like probably around vg9 or vg10 so i think he had a section of vg9 back to Ooh. basic yeah back to basics i can't remember yeah might have been vg9 i know the one you mean though yeah but yeah he was like insane like to see him skate like a park and i remember him doing like a something on like a part of a lot like the eisenberg's ledge box and i found myself i don't know why like so awkward i tried the same trick like right after him and i got kind of laughed at but it wasn't that wasn't, you know, discouraged entirely. So it was something else. It was just like, wow, like, okay. I've now seen one of those tricks from a video, like in front, like I've seen how he did it. I don't know how the fuck he did it though. So I kept, it was just cool to see. It was almost like just having it like proven in front of you, like something is possible. And then one of your friends would like get that trick. Like, I don't know. I think my friend Chris Birch at the time, he was like the one that was progressing above all of us. Like he got True Mizu on the down ledge first. And we're all like, I think we rewatched that clip like a thousand times at night. Because everything was like on mini DV, like little handheld uh, camcorders. Yeah. But yeah, um, I didn't want to trail off again. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. So like you were, you were talking about basically how you'd get to a spot and you just end up session in a completely different part of it was like so like i said that was very uncommon at the time and weirdly now that has become like such a massive part of skating like a kind of freestyle aspect or making something out of nothing or making the best of like flat ground or ground in between obstacles as opposed to just thinking about oh i need to grind this and i need to gap off this or i need to jump these set of stairs there's a huge emphasis on making it your own or you know adding your own personality to it when you were doing it at that time, because so few people were doing it, did you ever get any like backlash from your like your friends that you skated with? Were they not like, what the hell are you doing that for? Why why aren't you coming over and skating this with us? No, it was um, I don't know. Everyone was honestly pretty cool. Like there would be the younger kids that we would kind of bring along with us to the sessions, like the generation like year behind us, I guess. Like we started to bring like Fritz. Fritz was like one of the first kids. We'd be like, hey, like, you want to go street skate with us? Like after the Eisenberg session, and he'd be like, yeah, sure. Like, you know, we get like parents' permission if we ever needed whatever the heck. Like we weren't that much older. Um, but some of the younger kids, they would geek out, not geek out. They would kind of make fun of you if you weren't doing like the like trick of the moment, like trick of the month or trick of the moment. Yeah. Like from the most recent video, like if you weren't going for that, then it would be like, man, like what is your deal? Or like your pants are again, like why are you wearing those? Like what, what is this? Like, 
yeah what's the point of this and it's like because you're at that age like kind of self-discovery is like a big thing like you're i don't know just dealing with like understanding what uh fashion is like how it represents you maybe and then skating like trick wise but like the trick vocabulary it's like i guess there was like a big push to like go pro as a kid okay not like for me but i mean that was just like a thing it was like you saw it happen like at the skate park well, yeah, like, oh, yeah yeah like the generation well you're maybe the generation before you people were seeing them getting money and having cars and stuff like that and people were like oh this is something we can strive towards yeah so, like levi's and and the gap were yeah. sponsored people and so i was like oh shit okay this is and then you would see people like come up like shane scour um got on solomon i guess and then senate and senate and ended up moving to california yeah yeah and that was like wow that was like firsthand like he wasn't like a like a buddy of mine like well, i wasn't i guess cool enough to like hang out with like him and his friends um entire like not all the time but slowly like it became that like his friends were my friends and like all that but i think he was getting kind of out of the skate scene yeah but yeah it's still um i don't know um to see that happen and then also just from the get-go like knowing that arlo was like one of the like founders that's what i mean you've got you've got a guy there that basically well he didn't start it but like as in he was one of the early key figures of it and he's right there on your doorstep and you you he's like yeah. with, he's he's just basically like within touching distance essentially well because whenever i worked at starbucks and uh, i said like chris by the time like chris lived here he would do day camp like at the skate camp and I would bring coffee in the mornings to like Arlo's stepdad, this guy, Essie. And Essie was like super cool. And the fact that he was like related to Arlo, like made him like just by that fact, it's like, wow, this guy is cool. Like he's, you know, it's Arlo's stepdad, like holy shit. And then like Arlo's sister worked there for a bit. Right. And his mom would be there from time to time. So it was kind of cool. Like he would be there too as well. So like him being so like just approachable and just like just positive and nice uh, as a person, like it really, yeah, it just kind of tore down the whole, like, you know, you would put up like, uh, I don't know, like the way you look at like actors or like yeah, musicians. There's, there's no like, there's no disconnect because there's no boundary between you and that person. Like there, you can literally find yourself in the same room as them and have the opportunity to talk to them. Whereas opposed to yeah. you might never see your favorite actor from a film, but you can see your favorite skater. So it's. It, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's, yeah, I don't know. I guess that was just pretty cool. And like, even um, like a random thing from hoax too, which is like the, first main video that i saw like well that i've like watched over and over with my friends there was um like a candy dispenser that they stole and they named it tom servo i remember I this because it was quite a famous like thing and they kept it in the park is that right yeah it was at the front door yeah. of the skate park like right when you walk in it's just like this thing that i've just spent like i don't know it seemed like hoax was part of my childhood or hoax two as well well yeah. hoax one was as well because my friend got hoax one and two and three i think and like a combo pack okay so hoax three skating i, I guess i kind of stayed i didn't 
progress like with the sport for like the first year that I skated, I was like back in like hoax two times when yep. VG seven was being shot. You were, you were too busy enjoying the older stuff. Yeah. Okay. But Yeah. But it was so crazy. Cause then you would go to ESPN two um, on like your television and you would find ASA competitions. And around that time, VG seven was being filmed. So skating was like, by the time, I don't know, it was kind of funny, like to have it revealed to me twice in a way, like to be like, oh, skating's at this point. Because once Eisenberg's opened, I started going there like every weekend. And I would see like the progression that had occurred, I guess, from hoax two to then. And and that's a massive jump because even every time they brought out a new VG, like our, me and my friends, we'd try and learn the tricks in the VG that we'd just seen. And then a new yeah. one would come out and we'd be like, whoa what like this is this has taken such a massive leap from what what we've just seen yeah like um trying to think my friend one of the okay in between that there was a kind of a a part of high school that i didn't skate quite as much but i ended up hanging out with a friend like a couple of friends that were really into it and they kind of took me under their wing and invited me over to stay the night like to have a like a hangout, like slider bar session before we went to Eisenberg's and okay. Yeah. So that was around ninth grade. Shit. Just trying to think, um, MDR though. I watched my daily routine, the Brian Bell. It was like T-Bone TV one. And I think he made Rollinson made T-Bone TV two. Yeah. High rollers. Yeah. The rollers. And then Brian Bell made T-Bone TV three, which is making dreams reality. I don't know. I was really drawn to those skaters, though. Like, they ended up, um, they would always do, I know there's, like, break dancing and graffiti involved um, in the videos, but they skated things a little bit differently than, like, some of the more stunny people. I know Brian Bell, though, could do, like, some pretty big. Brian Brian Bell could do most things, but, yeah. He was crazy. Like, he was, like, Yeah. yeah, wow. He was a character for sure, like. I mean, some of the air that he would get. I'm thinking of this natural, like 540 over a fence. Yeah, he really liked doing big gaps. Like, yeah, and, and he did them well. Yeah, and there was just like a whole, I don't know, like a vibe or like a whole like mood to those videos. Like, it just seemed cool. I don't know. Yeah, his videos always seemed really just grimy and dirty, and the kind of thing that you wouldn't want your parents to catch you watching. Like it was the yeah, kind of the thing. kind of thing you'd watch in your room and be like, "If my mom comes in, she's gonna kick off." <laughs> yeah, because like we would watch that. I think it was kind of um, Scott was my friend Scott Quinn. We go to his place and like it was yeah, it felt like it was almost like we we're not doing something wrong, but like you're definitely a little bit more like edgy as yeah. like a kid. Rather than going to like play soccer, you're like, I know how to graffiti and I'm going to wax this curb. It's not going to look good. And yeah, we're just doing that because it feels good. <laughs> like, I guess the disrespect, like you, I don't know, you almost like adopt like a small bit of like, like thug to you or like tough guy. Yeah. You get a kind of like a little bit of like a delinquent mentality. You're just like, I don't care. I'm just going to do what I want. You can't like, yeah. And it definitely helped kind of uh, give you like a shield for the awkwardness of like high school. Cause like the only people that were like the only three kids, I think that really skated at uh, what was the North campus of my high school in ninth grade. 
And so it was like, I pretty much, yeah, anyone that I thought was cool was like from a magazine or a video. So it helped me not worry about like the peer pressures of like high school in general. Yeah. Even down to like what we would wear, we would get made fun of for, I think, lanyards. They weren't exactly cool. I but mean, we all they are they're dumb like in retrospect yeah. everyone had one lanyards are dumb yeah. and they serve no purpose they don't they don't help they don't help you keep no. hold of your keys they just Someone get in the way like that <laughs> yeah actually it makes it easier for pit pockets because they're like oh all, all his shit's in that pocket right yeah and the likelihood of it catching on something um if you're the skate park it would get shredded by like and if you fucking miss a coping grind and you slide on it, it's got, yeah, like pieces of like wood, like splinters in it. I don't know. Yeah. Some yeah. reason things like that um, puffing up your shoes, like making your shoes like huge. That was kind of like skateboarders knew what we were doing. And also they're curious as to why, like if they saw us wearing like skateboard shoes, but with like rollerblading shirts, they're like, what the, like, what the fuck's this? Like, Cause I remember having a pair of DCs and getting asked a lot, like why I had them. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Cause they're just annoyed that, well, we stole so much from their culture and then yeah, yeah this, we're, we're essentially dressing like them, but we're not skateboarders. So it makes, it makes sense. Yeah. Cause skateboarding was kind of blowing up like more and more like my friends, they were still cool though. Like they would let me not let me, but we would all hang out um, on the weekends like before it was like a week and every weekend kind of thing to go to Eisenberg's and I would watch like four one ones. And I was, I was impressed with like skateboarding for just the music they used. Like it seemed, I felt like kind of cool watching a four one one for some reason. Like okay. they, I guess they, they had kind of started to master like getting uh, the culture across like it was oh, yeah, a pretty yeah, yeah, they'd been making videos for a lot longer on rollerblading, so they had they had a much greater sense of I don't know either who they were or the image they wanted to project, as opposed to yeah. us who were still as a sport, like it, kind of fumbling our way through it. Well, watching people though, like just set up like cool picnic tables, like Rodney Mullen or like Daywon Song stuff like that. That was kind of something I I couldn't do on a skateboard. Like I would try playing around like with my friends skateboards and rollerblading, it just, it worked. Like whenever I try to go to do like some weird thing, like I didn't know what a toll roll was really. Um, but if I wanted to like, just kind of do something silly or like to experiment with like spinning or like getting up on something and then dropping off and seeing like what kind of impact I could take. Yeah. Yeah. Rollerblading, it just clicked. Like it, I think just like the stance or the like position of your body, it made more sense. No, I, like, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, skateboarding didn't seem right for me. Like it would almost be like riding a bicycle sideways or something like that made no sense. Yeah. I know what you mean. Um, I do think it's quite, there's a really interesting phrase you used where you're like rollerblading and the identity that it gave you felt like a shield in high school against, because that is, that's what every teenager goes through. Like basically trying to, find yourself identify who you are or what you are or what you like or trying to portray the image of you that you imagine in your mind or that you see in the mirror and i do think even even if rollerblading wasn't cool like i lived in a small town i had like four friends who rollerbladed they were all in my school 
no one else did it and they all thought it was the lamest like weakest yeah. thing ever but that actually didn't bother me because i identified as that person and i was like i don't mind like, if you don't yes. like me for doing this because like <laughs> if anything that just strengthens my belief that what i'm doing is good because i'm doing it in spite of you not liking it so like I, I can totally resonate with what you're saying there when you're like oh it's like a it's like a shield it's like a thing you can use to protect yourself from the the society of high school or the politics of high school because that that is what it felt like for me well yeah and like with music too I, I don't know if you're a big fan but um like any skate video like i found myself listening to metallica after i didn't quite like them because of dustin latimer and coup d'etat yep um I know it's kind of odd not to pick on Metallica, but um, oh, no, no, but it's it's like there's so many bands or artists that you would never have, you might not have ever even heard because they they won't appear on the radio. Like there's loads that just aren't in the charts or whatever, and then you see it in a music video and you attach it to someone that you are a fan of, and all of a sudden you're deep diving trying to find every piece of music they've ever created, and you're like, yeah, like oh, why do I want to cut you off? Um, it just reminded me my sister at one point was like I started going through her CDs because of I think it was Broke Down Palace like some Claire Danes movie from the late 90s had this Sarah McLaughlin song and okay. then they ended up using that in Forest Fire like the intro song for Forest Fire and like it just seemed like after that like these people were making edits like with um, that kind of emotional like way off that kind of music like it was yeah. sarah mclaughlin i believe um more chiva from what was it millennium the intro section of that video yeah they also my, had more chiva were also in a tg weber section and oh yeah espionage or something like that some tg weber had a short section and they used more chiva as well for that i do remember that i'm trying to think now oh shoot was it day of the rope it may Holy have been, actually, it was Day of the Rope because he was skating, I'm sure he was skating like the Senate mini ramp in it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, and that, oh, tape sorry. Loop, just, that was it. It was the Marchiba song was the tape loop. Man, I feel like watching that section because he did some <laughs> cool, like, um, like natural to switch or switch to natural, like, cess slides. Yes, he was, he, those was a, he, cool. he was a big fan of cess slides. Yeah, I do remember that. TJ Weber, okay, he was honestly like a big influence as well. Like just being, he seemed um, just very fluid. Like that described him, like just very, like he just flowed like around, kind of like uh, like Julio at the time. Yeah, like TJ Weber, very good style, and yeah, Julio was Julio was in like a different. Julio had a more kind of awkward stance, but again, he had yeah, very good style. Yeah, it's just like he just wanted to like. And they could do like a long line, and it was just like cool to see them like tie it together. Um, yeah, lines, I guess, lines are always exciting, just like people that could consistently pull off trick after trick, like Latimer. Well, okay, Latimer did everything just amazingly, but <laughs> yeah, that is true. But I do, I do know what you mean because I always differentiated that from skateboarding because I had quite a few friends that were into skateboarding, and I'd watch it and I'd be like, these are all just single tricks. These are all just yeah, like yeah. clip, 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 clip. And, I was, and then when rollerblading like kind of died off and they were like, oh, it's because there's no flow to rollerblading. And I was like, but we can do like five, like I'm not pro and I can do five or so, five or six yeah. tricks in a line easy. And I was like, 
I've never seen a skateboarder land more than two in real life, like back to back. Never. No, that like skateboarding seemed even like more um, like just a mystery to me because I would watch the videos and they do some crazy shit, but then like you would go and watch your friends try. Like yeah, some. Why is this like, taking you fifty attempts for every every trick? What's <laughs> what are these like these freak people out in California that are able to do this shit? Like what is like I saw such a difference in like um, it seemed like my rollerblading friends were progressing to our sport a little bit faster, like able to pick up the tricks. And I know like some tricks were designed with a little bit more safety involved, like a sidewalk. Like you're pretty on there, like. But the old school, yeah. like, yeah, like, I mean, that's kind of comforting. But then I like to see like a backslide or something like that. That didn't make any sense to me until I like got a pair of K2s. With, and, a, with a soft, the soft backslide plate that you can basically just sit on and no matter how, yeah. how far back you lean, you're not slipping off. <laughs> and I still have actually a pair because they would, they ended up breaking so often, like the K2 backyards are the fatty, fatty pros, that if you took them back to this place uh, in my town, it was Oshman's Sporting Goods. Right. They would, you could mail them out, like get a new pair. It, it would be like an exchange thing. So I actually have an old pair of backyards that I had like exchanged for, like right before I think I got um, a pair of Dirks. All right. Or okay. Maybe some Majestic 12s. I forget. I think I skated those before Dirks, but. Yeah, I remember that super slow backslide play. It was like amazing, though. Yep, yep. That's new skates are terrifying to do backslides in. When you think back and stuff like that, when you think back on skates that didn't have backslide plates and how easy it was to control them, and now, now you have to be so much better at them. Your your like, your actual like talent has to be significantly better in order to survive them. Yeah. Oh, that's like the some of the old razors, like the backslide plates on those. You could like torque just by standing up, and like that was exciting. Yeah. I don't know. That yeah, slide of bar. <laughs> um, so we deviated away from this, but you were obviously in quite a few. Like you were obviously in three Brandon the Gretty videos, and the later ones ended up just having like bigger and bigger casts in it, like like bigger names in it, because you know the first one. Had people like Ollie Short and stuff like that, but it was before Ollie Short became like face the music Ollie Short, like like Rosie's yeah. Ollie Short. He was still just this random kid on USD that had paid for himself to go out to America and just tried to make it. And you know, there was people like James Snitters and stuff like that, but again, they weren't like big names and blading. But as it moved on to like you know the meantime and Road to Nowhere, there was people like Farmer in there. Brosco was in there. You know, you yeah. had these much bigger names. Were you, were you skate? Like, obviously, you said you were skating with Farmer, but were you actually skating with like any of the bigger name guys during the making of those videos, or not? Uh, yeah, like Broskow was early on, like a big influence as far as like going big. Like, I guess back in the KFC days, yeah, like he was just he was capable of doing pretty much anything that he wanted and landing it like solid. So I always thought of him as, I guess, from not getting to hang out with him as much, like when I was younger, I had him as like some kind of iconic, like, wow, like uh, kind of like Farmer or something, even though Farmer had become like a buddy. So with them knowing each other, um, 
I guess, and then Negretti actually getting Broskow to like, skate in the video. Yeah. I think that then uh that was Road to Nowhere, I guess, right then. That he I, also, I always get the I always get Road to Nowhere in the meantime mixed up. I th- I'm sure yeah. he, I'm Oh yeah, sure it was because he had um it was the misfit section for that one. Okay. Okay. But yeah, uh, we would go to Kansas actually a lot. Like I went to Kansas with Farmer like three times, four times. Like he was filming for Viberlux for one of the times uh, while I was just like getting clips for um, Negretti myself because Chris had a, a camera as well. Yeah. And so um, getting to skate with like Broskow, he was like one of the other big names or like like super like influential skaters that became a buddy of mine. I'm just trying to think. I skated with happy, like random times out in California with like Negretti. Um, some of the other big names. Shit. No, I, I, I'm trying to think, man. Well, no, I just pretty much Kansas. I would go back and forth to Kansas. Yeah. So Broskow was like one of the only other like big, big names. I'm just trying to also think at the same time who else was in videos. Shit. I did get to skate with Kaya. Um, oh, Kaya Tursky. It was when I met Mike, Lily, and Sean, actually. Okay, cool. Yeah, because I flew out. Not flew out, but uh, that's the second time I went out to California on the Greyhound to meet up with Negretti. And I immediately ended up hanging out with, I think Ollie was there uh, with Mike and Sean. Okay. And I didn't know how amazing Mike was, like stunt wise. Right. And yeah. also, Sean was like immediately one of the biggest influences on like style, like Flatland. Like he could just do a topsail and it would look cool as shit. Like just the way he'd skate up to something look cool. And um, yeah, I don't know. Every I'm trying to think who else. Cause I know like there was that deal where like mike johnson was in a clip hanging out with like kaya and i saw like brenton wheeler yeah i know the one you mean yeah yeah like seeing like mike johnson was still like iconic like i would be really quiet if i like skated near him or skated around him like i only skated with him at like maybe the hoedown so certain people like that it was cool that there were still like next level types in my mind like even though i was like cool with some of the like more iconic skaters mm-hmm. like i still had like that geek out kind of thing like oh my gosh like you know like there's randy spicer like if i saw him like even though i well randy was nice he ended up he's the reason i got some deshies for free for a while like negretti introduced us i was gonna ask about that because i was gonna ask if you ever get hooked up by any book companies because it did seem like you were riding deshi for quite a while yeah, that randomly was just like a hangout at like Sunshine, um, the Sunshine Distribution Office. I went with Negretti. I forget why exactly. But yeah, we just got talking and then he got me hooked up with like Randy Spizer on that. Sorry, I see some people outside of my window. But. Okay, I thought it might be the maintenance people. My bad. I don't want to have to cut it, cut it, uh, cut it short. Nope. Just some people. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. 
sorry i keep like trailing off uh you, you were talking about yeah getting hooked up with uh, deshi through randy oh yeah so skated those a few pairs of those and then i got a kind of an odd pair they look like moon boots i don't want to be rude um to the company that was but um something didn't click i didn't like them so i ended up going there was a session i was i was with i think farmer lonnie and um i think rob g was there and we were right down the street from eisenberg's and i was like man let's just go there i want to like see if they have some like um trs or something like so i ended up buying a pair of trs before i went out to california to film the rest of road to nowhere so the second pair of those that I skated, I actually just straight up bought myself. So I guess I kind of just ditched Deshi at that point. Right. So that was, yeah, you do I mean, things. Some, some other skates were weird. I think, I think you're talking about the Zamora ones. They were just really big, weird, gray and white. Yeah. Massive boot things. I know what you mean. Didn't work right. Didn't feel right. I don't know. So I ended up going back to those uh, gray uh, TRS like the rollerblades and then i put like blue frames on them which i kind of now in retrospect i like that pair of skates like so much <laughs> like just something about i guess the backslides are really good on those too so um was road to nowhere the last negretti video you were in is that right no i guess it went road to nowhere and then meantime was meantime, that, sorry that. that's what i mean was meantime the last one yeah um did like did you that is the last video you were in, right? The last Negretti video. Uh, he, like, later on, around 2008, um, he hit me up. I was living with my ex-girlfriend just close to downtown, like, close to where I live now. And he had hit me up and asked me to come out to, to New York, actually. Like, he wanted to fly me out to film some for Regardless. Yeah. And that was like early, well, that was like later on, like late 2008. And I went out there and um, we stayed at Eric Stokely's parents' house. All right. No way. So that was cool. I um, had never been to New Jersey. So um, it was kind of, it was intense getting to the airport and then from the airport LaGuardia in New York to New Jersey. Yeah. Like I took every method of transportation new jersey's like closer to philadelphia than it is to new york so i got off the flight and then took i think a like taxi to grand central ended up on a train i took everything but a bus like basically like the mode of transportation right, okay. so there's like yeah i ended up on a train ride into new brunswick which is where stokely's parents lived and that place is just so cool it was just I don't know, kind of cool. East Coast has like its own architectural vibe, I'm sure. So it was just, you could definitely tell you weren't like in Texas. And the cool thing was hanging out in the basement, <laughs> I guess getting to meet like Stokely's like local buddies, like friends that didn't skate. And like some of them were, I think were like bike riders, like BMXers. All right. So it was like a cool, it was just a cool hangout. And I, I think... That was like for maybe four days. So I got a few clips and I was going to film uh, a section for that. But I just kind of, I guess my relationship with that girl that I was with at the time, like took over. 
And so I sort of started to fade away from skating, like probably around like 2010. Okay. And I think that video came out like at the end of 2010 or 2011. Um, yeah, it was around about that. T- yeah, because that was when I started the magazine. So it was that. It was that year. I think it was. It was. Yeah, it was either 2011 or 2012. Yeah, probably 2011. Yeah. Because I think the last footage I got for like a video was for Brian, Brian Moore for The City Never Sleeps. Right. And so, yeah, that was around that time. Because um, I was going to, I was going to ask, because like, were you still in contact or like close with Brandon when he passed or had you guys kind of drifted apart? Uh, drifted apart, but not like we had any kind of falling out. It was just, it was kind of interesting, like before like technology or before social media is the way it is now. Like you're like you and I are talking just over zoom, which is cool as hell. Like uh, back then it was just pretty much like, um, I mean, we had MySpace, Facebook, things like that. So we'd say hi. And I knew what he was, I think he was more focusing on like film film, like getting into like film production. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was, we were friends, like kept in touch, but not like on a weekly or even like a monthly basis. So it was kind of, it was definitely, of course, a shock like to hear um, when he had passed, but we hadn't been in like direct communication probably for like a year. Okay. Yeah. Well, cause obviously, yeah, it was definitely a different time than it was a lot hard. Like now you've basically got no excuse for not keeping up with your friends. Like you can easily just WhatsApp or I don't know, FaceTime or whatever. Whereas back then it was like, it, it wasn't as easy to keep in touch or communicate. So you could easily, you know, n- not like fall out, but just like lose contact with people. Yeah. Cause it was crazy. Like you wouldn't see someone like in person or like through a, like a video chat, like for, by the time you saw someone else in person, like if you guys met up, it's like you would be different. Like you would have aged or like your hair would be different. I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's crazy how like now it's like so well connected. <laughs> yeah. Um. So like you said, did, did you just like stop skating or did you just stop traveling for skating? Like what, like as in, were you still doing it? You just weren't putting yourself out there as much or did you just kind of drift away and find other interests? Uh, kind of just like drifted away. It's, I wanted to say that I was getting into art, but I was more, I didn't want to be, um, like a downer, like too depressing. I guess I got into drinking and fashion <laughs> and I mean, everyone gets sent a party and at some point it's inevitable. Yeah. Cause I guess just being so tied into skating, like growing up, I think that there might've been, um, just like I didn't miss out on anything, but maybe like the whole party culture going out and like just being, I don't want to say like a hipster, but to be like a scenester, maybe it's like, you're just basically like, it's almost like a re treading of like high school in that way of like social cred, just for like showing up to a place and like looking a certain way or I don't know, somehow fashion got into it. And I think, alcohol and like just yeah going out partying i also get into making music um a little bit there with my friend michael uh michael stein okay so there's like mostly like music girls and then fashion 
and alcohol. <laughs> Same old story. I get you. So that's what I was, that's what I was going to ask. I was going to say, have you kept in touch with anyone from your blading days? But it kind of sounds like you and Michael Stein have maintained your friendship after, because he doesn't still skate either, does he? I've been told. Well, yeah, he does. All right. Um, still has a pair of skates because, like, I saw. I it wasn't too recent. It was sometime last year, though. I saw him do like a back torque on like a, a skate park rail. Okay. Like on a flat rail. And I was like, okay, he's still got like tricks, like cool. And um, he told me that he had gone and like rolled around a few times. So he still, still has the skates, but um, yeah, Michael is like probably one of my, like he'd be my best friend from like back around high school. So definitely still like keep in touch and he lives out in California now, so I don't see him like often. Um, but like one of my friends from high school that I grew up skating with, that was like in the cool crew kind of like he was friends with uh, Shane Scour and like his like crew. He came over and we like kind of geeked out and talked about skating. And uh, it's just crazy how much time goes by, like how fast it goes by. Yeah. Like that's a real crazy because I was talking to a friend at work. Um, I don't know. We had different age range. Like there, we've had kids that were 16 that were like friends, family friends that work there all the way to like, I don't know, 40 something. So I was talking to a girl that's like, we've become friends. Just like, um, we see like eye to eye on like a lot of things. And, uh, I was telling her about, she, someone had brought up skating and then someone YouTubed like forever now while they're at the cafe. No and they're like people over being like, Hey, come like check out what Chase did. Or like, you know, I, I don't really tell people unless they ask. Cause it's, I don't know. It's still very, something I'm like super proud of and like excited about, but I still don't feel like people care. Yeah, um, it's, it's one of those things where you're like, depending on your personality, you're like, I just don't want to bore people with this because you can't just say, I used to rollerblade because it, yeah. it, it needs a lot more explanation than that. Because if you just tell someone, oh, I rollerblade, they, they, no, <laughs> no image comes into their head. Or if it does, it's probably not an accurate one. So the, Like a know, Venice Beach? Like yeah, so you then have to elaborate <laughs> and, or you have to show them examples and then it becomes a whole thing. And you're like, this is quite, this is quite draining having to go through this with you. Whereas, yeah. Yeah, that's why I was like, well one of the girls asked she's like so like you like skated blah blah i was like yeah you can just like youtube bit youtube my name whatever it's cool um pull up one of those and i didn't realize i get i don't know it's exciting to see someone that doesn't even skate or really know what they're looking at be like kind of like drawn into it like it's cool i go back to that high school kind of mentality where i'm like no like if anything, you might just make fun of it, like whatever. But to see that people are like really just open-minded now about it, it was all oh, going back though to my friend. Um, she was like, so when did you make this? Like, when is this from? I was like, oh, you know, it, it's been a while. I was like 2004 around then. And she's like, I was born like in 2004. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, okay. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, time does go by really fast. And then like when you talk about like, for instance, like how did you entertain yourself on a bus ride? It's like I listen to my fucking spindle of uh, mixed CDs, my burnt CDs, and like, what the fuck's that? Like, 
I don't know. I had to describe a VHS tape to someone not too long ago. That was kind of recent. Yeah. <laughs> like describing this like boxing with like the tape rolls in it. And I was like, yeah, it's a VHS, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I know that well. I've got a five-year-old yeah. daughter and I've, I've got some CDs in the car just from like, you know, you have CDs from like being a teenager or whatever. Yeah, they'd be like, what is and this? <laughs> like, so like I'll just randomly like pick a few every once in a while and go, all right, I'll listen to this. And my daughter's like, so wait, wait, there's there's so there's one song in this. And I'm like, no, you generally get like 10 or 12. I was like, it's called an album. And she's like, a what? It's just uh, like, what? what's an album? And I'm like, it's basically like a lot of songs by the same person. And she's like, okay, but like don't don't what don't they just have those like on the i don't know like the you know the computer yeah. or the speaker or like the alexa or whatever and i'm like yeah <laughs> but but like back then you couldn't just do that you couldn't just like get any song you had to like get just a few that you liked and just pay for yeah. it and then and she'd be like wait what because she's so used to using like the amazon like speaker thing where you just say whatever song you want to hear and it just starts oh, playing it so yeah. the con the concept of having to like be so specific as to go to a shop and only get that artist just makes no sense to her and well yeah, yeah my friend was uh i think it was just this last week i was describing how if you're out with like some buddies and you're like oh man there's this new song i like really love this song you'd have to like wait your turn i don't know get the cd to the front of the car unless you're sitting shotgun and then put the CD in, find that one song. And then, yeah, it was like, it was, yeah, the patience. And I think like, I don't want to sound like a ancient person, but yeah, there's just a little bit more excitement to everything. Yeah. I guess well, so. It's, yeah. It's because you, especially in music, you felt like, I remember hearing songs and you wouldn't be able to remember the lyrics or how it went. So you wouldn't be able to look up or figure out what it was. No, no. And then yeah. you'd have to wait. Like, I remember it took me like three or four years to find this song and I would just randomly hear it, like, I don't know, in a shop. Or then it would come on in a film. And then I'd end up having to like research the film and get the get to the end of the film and figure out the credits and figure out what, what position it was in the film. And I'd be like, oh my God. And then you'd finally discover this artist after several years. Yeah. Whereas, whereas now you can literally just turn on your phone, get your phone to listen to it, and it'll go, This is da 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 da. And this is like, yeah. this song. And, and then give you, you like look. a whole history of the artist and everything. Like. Yeah. But it definitely takes the excitement away from it because you don't feel like you're just like, Oh. And sometimes you'll find out what the song is, and then you'll just you'll look it up, you'll have it in your phone, and you'll just forget about it, and you won't even listen to it again. Whereas yeah. before you'd like treasure it because it'd been this thing that you'd you'd, you'd literally found. Yeah. And um, I don't know, going to CD stores for hours and just like hunting. Yeah. Record stores. Man, that got even more intense, like record stores. OK, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, so obviously, like, yeah, you and Michael Stein were friends and you said that, you know, you guys have been really close for, you know, since school. It, it's got to be kind of crazy when... <laughs> like when he came to you one day and went oh i'm doing the music for this thing called stranger things and now stranger things is this like huge international <laughs> phenomenon and the music is like one of the most integral parts of the entire thing like it's what creates the atmosphere about it and yeah he's, re he's responsible for it that's wild well it's just kind of it's it was cool to think about back when he was just like getting into music production 
And like, it's just crazy to think back and be like, wow, yeah, he really did kind of take to that, like naturally. Cause he would explain everything, like uh, basically in our music, like making like duo, what band, I guess you'd want to call it a band. Um, I would just kind of end up getting a little tipsy in like his recording space and his, it was at his parents' house. We'd just get kind of like tipsy and like make up a melody and be like, wow, that works. Like, cool. And then he would just turn around in his chair, like go to his computer. And it was like, he just, it, yeah, it, he took to that, like kind of the way skating. He was also natural, like with skating. He was very good at skating. Yeah. Like he could just kind of study like a switch up. And then he always had slider bars, like different levels. Um, there was like a small one and medium and then like a large, like actual metal, like kink row that we had skate. Oh God. And like, okay. he could just come up with shit and be like, Hey, I'm going to do that. And then like, he could take it to the streets and like, it wouldn't scare him to be on like a handicap rail, like where you could, you know, fall, like rib yourself or like rack yourself. He could do all that weird tech shit, like up on, you know, any kind of obstacle is crazy. So yeah, he's always been like very influential, like in, in every way, like, yeah, like art too. He, uh, he was always drawing things like that. So, but yeah, to see, um, I don't know him produce that level of like, like amazing music. And also his friend that works on that with him, um, Kyle Dixon. Yeah. He's a rollerblader. He's like one of the, he made the first skate video that I was in. It was called network back in the day. Um, I actually think it's on YouTube. Okay. (laughs) I would, I'll send you the link. If I, if I remember to, um, if I, if I look like once we get off, I'm I'm sure I'll be able to do some, some deep dive and I'm I'm sure I'll be able to find that. No no problem. it It should still be on there. Um, and Kyle, he actually did that. And I think he was friends with the two kids in high school that made me kind of feel like, Oh, I'm in this, this thing called rollerblading. Like, you know, I didn't really think about the other kids like being cool or not. And so to find these other kids that were actually in Dallas, cause Kyle lived in downtown Dallas, like around, well, pretty close to like where I live now. So he like had like, um, sort of like street cred in a way. Right. Like he just seemed cooler. I was like, wow, this guy's like, he lives in the city. Like he knows, you know, like downtown skate spots and shit like that. So to get to film with him, yeah, that was like the first skate video I was in. So him and Michael were like really important in and as far as like keeping it going. Yeah. So yeah, damn, that's so cool. I'll I'll send you that link though. No, that's awesome. That sounds good. <laughs> um I have asked you at least a hundred questions. So oops. Oh. Uh how long have we actually been doing this? I've no idea. Right, yeah, yeah, I almost almost on. been doing it two hours. Yeah, I've taken up oh, a shit. lot of your afternoon. Um, oh. Yeah, some of those, there's so much of that. I just, yeah, there's loads of stuff. I didn't, I didn't realize you'd spent so much time in California. I just, I don't know what it, maybe it, you always just kind of get the impression that people go, I don't know, go over for like a week or two weeks or crash in someone's house or like someone's floor or whatever. I just assumed you like just stayed on Brandon's floor for a little bit. And then well, it was, like, it was yeah. like a short vacation, but yeah. I think his parents at one point, I didn't want to, they weren't rude at all. They're amazing people. They are. Um, 
still they i think we're getting kind of like where when's this texas kid like is he trying to move in like <laughs> so that's why i ended up staying at like feinberg's and farmers sayers i even stayed at like um carl sturges i stayed at his place for a bit right so that's why i got to film some for um demo or demo day yeah I forget how to, I don't know the proper pronunciation. It's, it's, it's French. So I want to say demode because fashion. Demode? Oh, mode, that makes mode, sense. Mode is French for fashion and demode, demode was anti-fashion. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's like the pesh mode, fast fashion. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I can't remember the logic for it, but I, I, yeah, I know it was, I know it was the French word. Yeah. But yeah, um, no, it was there's even like a little bit of time for we went to San Francisco for like I think four hours one night. Like we just drove there and then drove back. Like that was kind of that was interesting. That was like one of the only times we didn't stay like as like a group. But I think yeah, that was wow, San Francisco. That skating there, that's cool. I want to go there again sometime. That's like just beautiful. And same with like New York was like that. Like every like 10 feet you would see something you could i mean i'm sure you see like videos with footage of downtown new york it's just so much cool stuff yeah yeah there's just all sorts of kind of random obstacles or things that you can make yourself in some way that isn't necessarily just a kind of grind or jump over yeah yeah well um well yeah i didn't want to like keep you on here for too long this is it's just wow like i was saying i'm still kind of new to zoom it yeah. sounds fun I think, I think you've handled it well the the last thing i wanted to ask you was though like i kind of feel like you were well actually there's part of me kind of feels like you were wrong place wrong time because the type of skating you did then is very much in fashion now but it kind of sounds like you still ha you had all these amazing experiences though so maybe it, that was just the time you were meant to skate because if you didn't you wouldn't have got to be in those videos you know, make those parts and have those experiences with those skaters. But like, have you watched, like, for example, have you seen Mesmer Rising? Like, have you seen their video that they've brought out? Yeah. Like, a lot of the skating in that, especially the skating that like Dominic Bruce does with like the heel rolls and the toe rolls and like combining them into tricks. Say, that was all yeah. stuff you were doing like 15 years ago. Well, that's just seeing some of the like the the new variations like where they do like a cross-legged like double heel roll yeah to, some of the it was like rewind like you have to like it was exciting like to see that if and wow well thank you for the the compliment saying like i skated anything like that because that's been it's exciting to see that i don't know that video was like one of the most like i was just kind of glued to it but I got to say that about like almost all the new things like uh, Zephyr, like the basement. Yeah. Like also, I mean, the Philly, like the whole crew there, like everyone's amazing to watch. But um, I don't know. That's the thing. Like, I guess even though I'm 39 now and I do feel like aches from time to time, like I'm like, damn, was that from like skating? Like, what the fuck? If I get up out of a chair, I might make a noise like Th that might just you know. be 39 <laughs> but i still feel like in knock on wood i want to like i've been inspired to want to go out and skate by like watching like dominic and like everyone i mean like seeing billy still kill it not still i mean let that feel weird saying still 
Like Billy's oh, killing uh, it. No, yeah, he's he's still going strong and he's had a lot of bad injuries over the years. Like he's very nearly died at least two or three times that I know of. So yeah. Well that terrible the car, like when you have that long shot, I forget who filmed it, but he oh, like absolutely and, in Barcelona, yeah. Billy, yeah, Billy's been hit by two more cars since then. Two. One in yeah. New York, one in California, and one was a really bad brain injury. So Billy's, oh, there was a bicycle thing, right? Yeah, Billy was very lucky to be alive. Well, he's still killing it because yeah. I'm thinking of reference like from the video as like to get clips, like that's one thing to be like solid clips. He had like hammers like that drift over a true top porn star. To yeah. like that, that, that thing that. is terrifying. Like that's not that was, the trick you do on that spot. But he did it with like the like that's like solid. Just it was perfect. Like yeah, the state like the, the execution yeah. of it was flawless. Because on things like that, like I always was afraid to do bigger tricks. So I don't think I don't have any need or any like push to do that kind of skating. Yeah. But I. I want to get back into like some flatland because I've become just like a bicycle like enthusiast just to get around. Like I don't drive like in Dallas, like I just get around by bike. And so it's been, it helped fill that gap of like always wanting to get exercise in like, cause you don't realize it like skating. That's just like great cardio all day, every day. Like <laughs> it works out muscles. You do not realize you have. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the thing. If you do it now, like after going a while without skating, you can pinpoint the soreness of like (laughs) everything. And you're like, well, damn, like I'm strengthening that when I'm skating. Like, holy shit. Because bike riding, I swear, it's like you're almost just, it's like you feel swimming almost. Like you're just kind of, you know. Yeah, I know what you mean. So, yeah, it's definitely, I want to, I feel like skating could, I still have like that craving or that need to like get energy out. And I think that, I don't know, trying some flatland stuff would just, there's still something exciting to it. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. See that there's progression. Like, you know, there's still a possibility for new things you wouldn't have thought of. Like that's super exciting. Yeah. You said earlier, it's like jazz, like you can literally just, you know, like brainstorm on a pair of skates and just see what you come up with and you can you don't actually need an obstacle to do it you could literally do it just on the ground yeah and i mean shit (laughs) that's exciting and it's in that way it kind of it helps to like extend like the life of a skater yeah seemed for a while like back when i don't know like when i started it was like there's a level of like ruggedness to like you're gonna get worked like daily like yeah. if you well because you learn to catch yourself pretty well but as we do get older like i could see you pulling something out of place or out of the socket you know dislocating shit so easy now like from just grabbing a rail to catch yourself you might like fuck your wrist up like oh yeah like yeah you, way you, worse yeah you can think because you've caught the rail you're going to be okay but you could easily just i don't know pull your shoulder out or your wrist or, yeah, yeah. But i can't walk tomorrow now like <laughs> my lord it's like or yeah i mean i've gotten hurt just like getting something like jumping up on something to, like unplug a light at work and then not thinking about it and jumping off of like a booth like only about a foot and a half down but landing like maybe stiff leg they're like straight back 
and you're just like, oh, fuck, did I fuck myself up? Like, they have to think about it like that. Now it's like, damn. Yeah. But I still see skating as being like, okay, we'll just, you know, just be casual about it. And yeah. I mean, it's one of those things. It can be whatever you want it to be. It can be as dangerous or as safe as you want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. Still get that same kind of, um, I don't know, just that solid feel like from, yeah, either stunt or just maybe going around the block. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, well, it was great yeah. talking to you today. I'm glad after, you know, yes, yesterday I was like, God, is this going to be, or is he just going to be busy? Or are we going to get to this? But I'm glad we got to do it. And yeah, um, I was procrastinate on things and then like work has had me to where I'm, I feel like if I do one thing, like if I like, Oh, I've, I've worked today. That was, you know, something it's like, no, I, I need to have more effort. <laughs> well, this has been absolutely awesome. Some of your stories were really great and yeah, glad we did it. So I hope you do more stuff with Mesmer and yeah, if you do get out and start messing about in Flatland, I want to see some footage of it going online so that we can see well, it. Yeah. Well, cause there's a healthy, um, skating crew here. Like, uh, I there should is. mention there's gotta be one of my, um, best friends growing up, Danny, he's skating better than like he's ever skated in his life. Um, he probably goes daily, um, the younger crew and some of the older crew, like from when I was growing up, they're all like, you know, they have day jobs, children, husbands, wives, all that. So it's cool to see everyone on the same page in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's, I think that they, uh, I've been welcome back. Like whenever I want to jump into it, like to get back out there, like I get asked like weekly by like my friends here. So that's awesome. I don't know. Yeah. It seems like it's time to, to, to get on that. I, I think you should. Yeah. And well, the weather here as well, it's, normally cold as shit for like three months at least right and not even that cold i'm a baby but <laughs> with global warming we had like an 81 degree christmas day um here in oh, texas okay. yeah so yeah like yesterday it was in the 30s and today i feel like i think it's like 60 something so yeah there's definitely some sessionable weather yeah no excuses all right well thank you again though awesome man uh yeah it was good talking to you and yeah hopefully we'll see more from you in the future well yeah and um i will send you that link for that network oh yeah please do that'd be awesome all right dude well it was nice again yeah man bye bye dude